Dear Smirgut, God and Mary to you, especially my listeners in Frankfurt, Germany. This is the Meditation and Mental Prayer Podcast, Catholics Listening to God. The next series of podcasts will focus on Mary's part in our redemption. This first episode will emphasize God's plan to invite you and I to volunteer to become cooperators in his great plan of redemption. We will begin by defining what redemption really is. We will come to recognize that to redeem means to buy back and co-redeem means to cooperate in redeeming. We will then see how St. Raymond, by God's will and grace, cooperated in redemption. Following this, we will take a quick look at the fall and the promise and the great reset. A guided meditation will begin after the bell tolls. We will then follow St. Teresa of Avila's steps for mental prayer, while we offer ourselves as co-cooperators in the redemption of our fellow man. The word redemption means the act of buying back again. In the past, it was commonly used to describe the buying back of slaves out of captivity. For instance, St. Raymond, who lived in 1225, took four religious vows, whereas most religious took the three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, St. Raymond took a fourth vow. This fourth vow was called of redemption. He devoted himself to freeing the Christians enslaved by Muslims. He and his religious order offered their goods in exchange for the Christian prisoners. Often when money ran out, members of the order would take the place of prisoners. On a mission to Algiers in 1236, St. Raymond was in the unfortunate position of having no money left, and so offered himself in exchange for the prisoner's freedom. Now, as Jesus stood in our place to redeem us back from Satan and make us worthy of coming into the kingdom of heaven, St. Raymond stood in the place of the Christian to redeem them back from the Muslims. It is recorded that St. Raymond looked upon his imprisonment as an opportunity to preach the gospel to the Muslim guards. His success in the number of converts and those seeking baptism were seen as a dangerous threat to the Muslim authorities. To stop St. Raymond proselytizing the Muslims, they bored a hole through his lips and padlocked them shut. For about nine months he suffered this, except when he was freed to eat every third day. St. Raymond paid this ransom for the sake of the souls of the Christians, who on many occasions broke under the torture they endured and gave up their faith. St. Raymond's mission helps us better understand the correlation between Christians as co-redeemer and Christ as redeemer. We have already had some indication of the sort of captivity into which man fell as a result of his sin. He had become subject to Satan. He was a captive of Satan. He was the slave of sin, reduced by his own act to a condition from which he wasn't able to free himself. Very much like a fly caught in a spider's web. Mankind was, in a sense, in servitude to God because by sin he had incurred the debt of punishment which divine justice required to be paid. The deliverance of man from his double slavery by the payment of the appointed price is what we call redemption. The word atonement describes an act which makes amends for an offense committed. Atonement was used a lot in the Old Testament when describing rules and regulations for making a sacrifice for sin. 
In Numbers 28, verse 15 and 22, we read, A buck goat also shall be offered to the Lord for a sin offering over and above the perpetual holocaust with its libations. And one buck goat for sin to make atonement for you. So let's look at the first sin. A man and a woman, Adam and Eve, having been joined together in the ruin of humanity by original sin. It was God's design that a man and woman should be connected together in its restoration to grace. The man who redeemed us in the word incarnate, Jesus Christ, and the woman who was with him in his work is Mary, his mother. The new Eve is the name given to Our Lady to describe her place in human history. Eve was born pure and holy, but sinned. 6,000 years later came the Great Reset, the New Eve. Christ redeemed the human race by his passion and death, in the sense that by his superabundant merit and atonement, he reconciled man with God and made salvation possible for humanity. This Jesus was able to do because, as the Word incarnate, he is the supernatural head of the human race. Jesus' merit and atonement are available for all men who are mystically identified with him. With his death on the cross, Jesus concluded the first part of his redemptive work. This stage is identified by Catholic scholars as the phase of acquisition. Having risen glorious from the dead and ascended into heaven, Jesus continues to the end of time to save souls. He intercedes with the Father on our behalf and dispenses to us through his sacred humanity the gifts of grace which he has earned. This is the second phase of redemption and is called by theologians the phase of distribution. So Jesus first acquired the grace of redemption, then secondly he distributes those graces to whoever asks for them, or, and this is important, whoever asks on behalf of someone else. Remember when Jesus was on earth, how many people asked for miracles on behalf of loved ones or friends? Let us consider victim souls and the redemptive power of human suffering. A victim soul is an individual who has been chosen by God to undergo physical and sometimes spiritual suffering beyond that of a normal human experience. The victim soul willingly accepts this unique and difficult mission of offering up his or her pains for the salvation of others. Jesus suffered torture, crucifixion, and death to pay the redemption price for our sins. But he also said, Whoever wishes to come after me, must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. St. Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 17, that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if only we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. So scripture clearly states that we are part of redemption, not just as those redeemed, but also as co-redeemers. Keep remembering, redeem means to buy back, and co-redeem means to cooperate in redeeming. Again, we listen to St. Paul in Colossians 1.4. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. When St. Paul says, in my sufferings for your sake, he is explaining how suffering takes on a redemptive dimension when offered with the passion of Jesus Christ. When it looked as if Jesus lacked the strength to continue his way to Calvary, Simon of Cyrene helped and cooperated in the plan of redemption. This was the divine will. 
Taken on its own statement, the other statement that Christ died on the cross once and for all would seem to contradict each other. But common sense shows us that there were many people involved in the helping of Jesus to reach Calvary. Indeed, it was God's plan that it should be that way. From the Jewish leaders that condemned him to death, to Simon of Cyrene, who helped him carry his cross. Meditation. Step 1. Enter the presence of God. Step 2. The reading or peace to meditate upon. Step 3. Meditate and try to live in the meditation. Step 4. Prayer of the heart. Step 5. Thanksgiving. Step 6. Offering of yourself. Step 7. Petition. Thank you, Siobhan, for that introduction to co-redemption. Now, although there are seven steps recognised in Catholic meditation and mental prayer, there is a time because of practice that the method becomes fluid, and after the orientation of the presence of God, the faithful soul moves back and forth in unison with the will of God. In this way, mental prayer becomes what it is supposed to be, a loving conversation with our Creator. For instance, although there is a set place for showing gratitude, natural feelings of gratitude will be expressed at different points along the way, with thanks here and there as the conversation with God expresses itself. The offering of the self will constantly be, in this regard of co-redemption, we'll be saying things like, I will help you, Lord, with your mission to save souls. Or, from now on, I will seek your will in everything. So, this would be typical of a short exercise, orientating the self in God. To begin this special set-aside prayer time, it is wise to have around you, first of all, silence, a lit candle, a crucifix, and perhaps a holy picture. This sets the ambience, but you should also have your meditation journal at hand. Your intention to open and honestly address your predominant fault before God is a prerequisite for a successful session of mental prayer. So what are you working on in order to become perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect? Of course, the paraphernalia part is not necessary because someday you might have to do your meditation in a prison cell. And so perhaps it would be a good idea just for a few moments to practice feeling the emotions of this time apart so that you can go into it easily when you need to, even when you're not alone and others are around you or you are suffering. With practice, reaching this place within becomes automatic. To enter the presence of God, you just become aware of the truth. The truth that the omnipresence of God means that he is present all around us. This is God's world, and he never leaves it, or it would cease to exist. With closed eyes and imagination, look down inside yourself and realise that God dwells within you. Silently, without any words, greet him with love. With eyes still closed, raise your head heavenward and acknowledge God already attentive to you. Focus on him. Now, if you have your own way of orientating yourself in the presence of God, then that's the best way to do it. We read in St. Mark's Gospel, And as they led him away, they laid hold of one Simon of Cyrene, coming from the country, 
and they laid the cross on him to carry after Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who bewailed and lamented him. For Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not over me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. And then we read again in another gospel, And they forced one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to take up his cross. In this piece of scripture, what is it that Jesus is asking us to meditate upon? Is it the fact that Simon had to be forced to carry the cross? Is it the fact that we, like Simon, must follow Jesus on the way to Calvary? Is it that Alexander and Rufus were in a position later to tell the apostles about what their father had done that day? This is part of the meditation. Meditate and try to live in that meditation. Meditate and examine with love how Jesus accepted help from one of the very people who had caused his death by their sins. Realise that your predominant fault is one of those sins that Jesus is suffering for. That suffering of Christ and Calvary was once and for all. He is Redeemer. He does not share this position with anyone. As you move into step four, and meditation evolves into mental prayer, see the risen Lord bathed in light, and that light is encompassing you. Look, Jesus has tears in his eyes. He is looking past you, at all the sinners in the world. His heart is breaking for them. Will you help him? Will you help bring Christ's redemptive graces to them? Will you cooperate in redemption? Now only you and he can discuss this with love in mental prayer. This is the prayer of the heart. Thank you for listening today. This was part one of our series entitled Mary's Part in Our Redemption. I hope you enjoyed considering how you cooperate in God's plan of redemption. If you love practicing mental prayer, I encourage you to go to my website, meditationjournals.com, and download our free ebook, Catholic Journal Meditation and Mental Prayer. Thank you and God bless. Miseris ad esteram padris, miseris ad